Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, at your service, it's the KMOX Dollars and Cents Show with Dave Simons from the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Hello, 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 St. Louis and surrounding areas. You indeed are listening to another edition of the Dollars and Cents Show heard right here on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Howdy, hello, welcome. My name is Dave Simons. Certified financial planner and just all-around nice guy. Also happen to be head of the Simons and Cordes Wealth Management Group located within the friendly confines of UBS Financial Services. Hope you're all enjoying yourselves so far on this Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, I get to be sort of your lead-in for those of you who are um, at some point going to turn over and watch that uh, that big game. And uh, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon and tuning into KMOX and specifically to this show. I know some of you perhaps are on your way right now to maybe a Super Bowl party. Others will be hosting a few friends. And if you're like me, you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting at home with me, either yourself or your spouse or a friend over. Uh, in full disclosure, I am hosting this show remotely from my own home office. And it has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. There's some other uh, personal things going on that just ha- keep me around the house and I can't get downtown. And thankfully, we do have these technological innovations that we all really learned how to use during the pandemic. I know that uh, there for a while, most of the X hosts, and I'm sure this was true across the country, were learning to do their shows for a brief amount of time from their homes. And, um, and I, I know I did the Dollars and Cents show along with some other things from my home office. And here I am today getting out the old headphones and a um, little microphone, and, and we'll make the most of it for the next couple of hours. But, you know, it's all about the information, right? And speaking of the Super Bowl, how many of you know about that classic Super Bowl indicator? That's, for lack of a better phrase, that's really what it's called. And it's one of those phenomenon that it's really interesting. It, it's a superstitious thing because obviously there's no really concrete reason that this thing should have ever worked. But it did for the longest time. Have you heard of this? It's when an original NFL team, from way back decades and decades ago, before the AFL and NFL even merged and the Super Bowl started in the late 60s, even before that, when the NFL was a much smaller organization, 
any team from those original days, so it, you know, the Packers, the Bears, the Redskins, some other teams, of course, whenever they would win the Super Bowl, or I'm sorry, yes, yes, it started then when, when the Super Bowl started in the late 60s. And this phenomenon was true like more than 80% of the time going forward. When one of the original NFL teams would win the Super Bowl, the stock market would post a positive return. When one of the newer teams, like a you know Denver Broncos or you know an a- AFL type of team, would win, the Dolphins, for example, if they would win, the stock market declined. Now it didn't work that way every time, but a majority of the time. But like any financial theorem, it works until it doesn't. So we fast forward to pretty much the last decade and it has failed miserably. In fact, six of the last seven years, it hasn't worked. Like a year ago, do you remember who won a year ago at this time, who won the Super Bowl? I know for those of us who are still mad that the Rams left, it's hard to forget the fact that the LA Rams won last year. Um, The Rams are considered an original NFL team. As many of you know, they started in Cleveland way back in the day, 80, 90 years ago. Uh, And then in the mid-40s, right after World War II, that's when they moved to L.A. And they were there forever, of course, until they went to St. Louis and back to L.A. Well, it didn't work, right? Because we know that last year in 2022, it was the worst year since 08. And you Chiefs fans out there, you'll note that when your team won three years ago, that's 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 an AFL team which means the market should not have performed well for the year, but it did. Now, you could argue, well, it was on its way to a big decline, right? That's when the pandemic first started. Everything was shut down. The market declined big time. And then it had this huge run-up as we reopened the economy and we had all the stimulus checks come out and and whatnot. Uh, But bottom line, if you hear about the Super Bowl indicator, and it's interesting, I haven't heard much of it this year for a change. And I think it's because what I just talked about, six of the last seven years, it hasn't worked. But I will tell you one indicator that's a more recent phenomenon that does work. We saw it big time a year ago. We've seen it consistent over the years, but two times in particular really stand out. I'm talking about Newer companies in emerging industries that decide, you know, if we're really going to make it big and get on everybody's radar, we need, I know we don't have as much cash as the big boys do, but we're going to make a splash here and we're going to spend all the available cash that we have on hand and we're going to advertise worth millions of dollars on the Super Bowl. Yes, these IPOs that come out. Well, uh, Chuck Jaffe writes for Market Watch, and he did some research, and he and he basically found an interesting phenomenon. If you are a new company and you establish your IPO, your initial public offering, and you go public, if you decide that you're going to spend millions to advertise on the Super Bowl, within five years of your IPO, there's a good chance your company will ultimately fail. Isn't that something? I talked about back in 2000, right at the peak of the internet bubble before it burst. And I think a lot of you should remember who played in that Super Bowl. It was January 30th of 2000. 
We got some Hall of Famers in there on that team. Kurt Warner and some others, of course. Uh, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace. Um, Isaac Bruce should be Tory Holt, but we can go on and on. Um, that was in that was January 30th of 2000. All of these newer fangled internet companies that weren't making any money, and the only reason they were staying afloat was because of private money coming in. I think the poster child of that was that little dog sock puppet that represented pets.com. Well, they went under within a year. But even last year, so a year ago at this time, I just talked about it, the Rams uh, winning the Super Bowl against, um, um, oh, the Broncos, of course. That was Tom Brady, right? Um, no, that couldn't have been. Who did they beat? I just, <laughs> oh, my. oh, the Bengals, of course, the Bengals. Because I remember now I was rooting for Cincinnati for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, they couldn't have played the the, the Bucks uh, in the same division. Um, but last year was considered and called the Crypto Bowl because so many of the advertisements that um, that were on last year represent were representative of, of uh, these crypt these newer crypto companies. And the poster child would be now the now defunct, now bankrupt, perhaps even a criminal enterprise to some degree, FTX. And they had the now famous or infamous Don't Miss Out campaign that featured Larry David. Remember some of those ads? He, he channeled his curb your enthusiasm personality and basically say, yeah, I don't think so. When somebody was trying to tell him, no, that this this crypto thing and FTX is the real deal. Well, turned out, no, he should have uh, stayed with it because I don't think so turned out to be the right one. So we'll see. Uh, when we come back, I will highlight some of the bigger names that are advertising. And you're going to notice a little bit of a trend that's gone the other way. So if we have seen recently all of these newer IPOs and these companies that advertise if you're a shareholder of these companies, be very wary of it. I'm just telling you, because this is real. This is real data that shows there's a good chance these newer IPOs may not even be around in a few years. It's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon that makes sense that I want to explore. So how does that translate to this year? Are there any newer companies that are trying to make a splash? Is it more of the traditional companies? We'll talk about that, and then we'll transition to... I think the real reason that people have listened to this Dollars and Cents show since 1996, and that's our take on the financial markets, the stock market, the bond market, what's been happening and where we are going from here. So that sets the stage on this remote edition of the Dollars and Cents show. My name is Dave Simons, and we shall return. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast he's back dave simons and more of dollars and cents on the voice of st louis kmox Howdy, everybody. Welcome back. It is 319 in St. Louis. This is a Super Bowl edition of Dollars and Cents. And we've been uh, having a little fun talking about the Super Bowl indicator and how that worked until it didn't. Six of the last seven years, it has not worked. Where the one of the original old NFL teams, when they win, supposedly that market does well. And when an old AFL or, or a more recent AFL Reason we still can go back 50 years, 60 years, but um, AFL type teams, when they win, the market uh, had not done well. And that actually worked through the 70s, much of the 80s, eh, kind of the 90s, and then it is really waned. And of course, no surprise because let's be honest, this was more of a weird anomaly that worked for a while. There was nothing concrete that tied it. But I did talk about something that is real. And that is be very wary if you are the owner of a newer stock, something that uh, went public within the last few years, and you're sitting back enjoying the Super Bowl. And you see the company that you've invested in that's relatively new spending millions of dollars on a Super Bowl ad. Now, your first thought might be, well, that's really cool. They must be doing very well. No wonder the stock perhaps has been performing well lately. But recent research shows that that's not the best use of capital for newer companies, and many of them eventually fail. Now, why would they even do that? Aren't these smart people, these entrepreneurs who start out? You know what it really is, my friends? As much as anything else, it's ego. It really is. They want their name out there. 
And keep this in mind, when you advertise um, for uh, one of the networks, and this time it's Fox, you do get executive seats there in that stadium. Um, you get to expense that, by the way, on shareholder money because it is an expense. But ultimately, it's usually not good for the company. So those companies that are maybe only a couple of years old, they do tend to overspend a lot. Um, on Super Bowl ads, that's just one of the things. A lot of times, the stadium naming rights, there's another indicator. Have you heard about that? So many newer companies decide Get the biggest bang for their buck. Let's go to the next level. In fact, let's just jump three levels right away, and we will put our name on the downtown stadium. We've seen that in St. Louis, right? Savis Center or even the TWA Dome. We've seen that a number of times. But this is true all across the country. So whether it's a Super Bowl ad, naming rights, whatever. So these companies might have a lot of cash early on. They hire a lot. They spend a lot. And then they become a little egotistical and get ahead of themselves. And this is what happens. So keep that in mind, folks. If you see one of your IPO companies start to advertise, yeah, watch it very carefully. One more before we leave this. I, I find this interesting. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There is a company that, yeah, here it is. So there is a company for the 10th consecutive year that is going to air a 30-second ad. It's an Illinois-based company. It is the longest-running automotive business to consecutively advertise during the bid game. It's the only car-related, auto-related company to advertise 10 years in a row. It's based in Illinois, and it's called WeatherTech. I had to look it up. I, I don't recall the WeatherTech ads in the past, which I guess maybe I don't pay as much Attention to Super Bowl ads, as I think I do. But they're going to air yet another 30-second ad. Now, why do I bring that up more than that it's just kind of an interesting stat? Because the auto industry, the automakers, which historically have been among the largest Super Bowl advertisers, they're not this year. They're bypassing it. Yes, you'll see an ad or two from GM. Uh, I looked this up. There's, a, there's a, one from Kia. Jeep, uh, Porsche says it's going to air a spot before the game, but it's in uh, collaboration with Paramount, but they've really, really pulled back. And, and I think it's because they've been investing billions of dollars now in EVs, electric vehicles. I just don't think they have as much disposable money anymore to spend tens of millions of dollars advertising at the Super Bowl. And so not only that, I, I think they are worried maybe if we do go into a recession, some kind of an economic downturn, that they just want to start hoarding some of that cash right now. So IPOs this year seem to be out. Crypto is definitely out. Automakers, there aren't out, but they pulled back. But you know who's in? Look for it. You'll see it. Booze. Alcohol. In big time. So Anheuser-Busch, for many, many years, has been the sole advertiser in the alcohol space. In fact, they pay a premium for that. They not only pay to advertise for their own commercials, but they then pay even more to become the exclusive advertiser in that space. Not this year. 
AB is still going to be prevalent. You, you will still see Anheuser-Busch ads during the Super Bowl, but they've decided it's okay to let their competitors in. They don't want to spend as much. So uh, it's fairly rare, but you are going to see now Super Bowl ads from Coors, Heineken, uh, Diageo, which is the parent company of Guinness, along with their scotch. I'm not sure which they will advertise, but I suspect you'll see Guinness there. Uh, even Cognac, uh, Remy Martin, some of their expensive brands. So you're going to see a lot of different and newer, uh, not newer companies, but newer ads from some of these alcohol companies that have never advertised before. So there you go. If you're heading to a Super Bowl party, you can wow your friends with this information. When you see a Coors or Heineken, you can say, hey, uh, hey, Bob, did you just notice that? You know, uh, they typically don't advertise at the Super Bowl because, well, our own Anheuser-Busch has typically paid a premium for exclusivity, and they decided not to. So now you're, you're probably going to see Guinness and uh, Cognac as well, and they're going to be amazed. And then you're not done. When you see an automotive ad, you're going to say, by the way, the automotive industry has really pulled back, so pay attention. You may not see them as much. Same with newer IPO companies, probably not as much. And you will be the life of the party. You are welcome. All right, enough of the Super Bowl stuff. Let's talk a little bit about financial markets and the stock market. Folks, it was on this very show a week ago. And yes, I hosted Dollars and Cents a week ago. That's two weeks in a row. I can't tell you the last time I've actually hosted Dollars and Cents on consecutive weeks. It, it's, it has to be at least a year ago if not longer. But here we are on Super Bowl Sunday. A week ago, I made the mention uh, that near term, the market seemed to be way overbought. We were seeing greed come back into the market. Some of the hot meme stocks from 2021 were getting interest again in the early part of 2023. It's like people didn't learn their lesson. There wasn't enough pain. I really don't like to see that. And I talked about it last week. I also said, look, for those of us who are long-term investors, this message is for you. You can kind of ignore what, what I'm about to say, because what I am discussing here is near-term. Long-term investors, and that's really the theme of this show, we shouldn't really get too worked up over corrections and declines. We're, we've got our own unique, individualized financial plan that we are keeping our eye on. And corrections are built into that. Bear markets are built into that. No big deal. But I still like to address the near-term moves in the market. It's just part of the show. It's part of the fabric. And a week ago, I talked about the fact that this market seemed to be uh, seeing too much greed for my liking and that we were probably due for a bit of a pullback. Well, wouldn't you know it here a week later? Yeah, we had our first down week of the year. In fact, it was the first down week since mid-December. Now, it wasn't much. It wasn't. The Dow only fell a little bit. The S&P 500 on a percentage basis was down 1.1%. It was the NASDAQ, that tech-heavy growth index that was down the most. It fell 2.4%, which is typical. When the market falls, usually it's the NASDAQ leading the way. So no surprise, um, and I don't know that we're done yet. I'm not into market predictions, but I can't believe that just after one week, we're going to go right back to seeing the, the, the beginning of this bull market of 23 just extend farther and farther up. 
One of the main reasons, which we'll get to, boy, is there a doozy of an economic report that's coming out Tuesday. Yeah, it is going to drive the market one way or the other. I'll get to that uh, momentarily. Now, on the positive side of things, we did see on Friday, the University of Michigan, they come out with their index of U.S. consumer sentiment. They show it now at a 13-month high. 13-month high. The reading being 66.4. So it's interesting, my friends, that Americans, for the most part, in some sentiment indicators, we're not, we worry about the economy. We hear that there's a good chance of a recession. Um, and yet some of the numbers actually look pretty good. And this is showing up in this consumer sentiment. And the consumer sentiment now is at a 13 month high. So on the one side, when you were asked, hey, do you think you're gonna be okay six months from now? The majority of Americans say, yeah, I think I'm gonna be okay. But then when we talk about what do you think about the broader economy, then the numbers aren't so good. So it's interesting when people look at their own individual life, just me, my household, I think we're going to be OK. I think my job is safe and I know inflation is higher, but I'm managing to get along. And I think inflation is going to be a little bit lower in six months. I think it'll work out for me. Huh, but the Johnson's next door. Yeah, I don't think so. My neighborhood the guys down at the factory, mm, yeah. So isn't that interesting? And that's showing up in the data. And we'll see if that has any kind of a self-fulfilling element to it. Um, oh, my goodness. It's already time for another break. <laughs> Comes up very, very quickly. I want to stay on this vein, though, of what's been happening in the economy in this report. But let's go ahead and segue to that after the break. There is a really, really influential and market driving report coming out on Tuesday. If it's worse than expected, then this market's going to go down more. Uh, and there's just no way to sugarcoat it. I'll address it. But if it comes in lighter and 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 gives mm, the big boys and girl traders on Wall Street a better feeling about where things are going economically, then maybe this little correction is short-lived. I'll dig into that when we come back with more dollars and cents right after this. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays, too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to Dollars and Cents with Dave Simons on KMOX. 
now you can ask yourself, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. One and a half point favored for the Eagles, which is kind of a, a pick em game, if you will. You know, Ben Fredrickson had a really interesting article in the Post-Dispatch today, if you don't mind me talking sports just for a quick second. But he talked about uh, how a lot of St. Louis football fans are torn. So many of us root for the Chiefs because, you know, they're in the state of Missouri and we don't have a football team anymore on this side of the state. So we've just pretty much adopted the Chiefs down the highway. I fall into that camp. And one of the main reasons, and I've talked about this before, is I have huge Kansas connections within my family. In fact, I've lived in Kansas for a number of years in various cities. Both my parents are from Kansas. One went to KU. I'm a Mizzou guy, of course. Um, so th- there, there is that connection. And, and I've been a Chiefs fan since, since they were around. I mean, since I was a toddler because of uh, mainly my dad, who was a, a big Chiefs fan. So I'm all in. Now, what Ben Fredrickson said was, but I can't blame you if you can't stand the Chiefs. You don't want to root for anything out of Kansas City because it's not like baseball fans root for the Cardinals. Although I don't, to me, that's not a connection because they still have a baseball team. But I think the big one is, hey, where was the Hunt family who owns the Chiefs in coming to our defense when the NFL was talking about maybe moving the Rams? They just kind of acquiesced in uh, whether it's true or not. But the theory is because then the Chiefs would have the entire region to themselves and they could bring in even more business of having all these St. Louis football fans. Maybe so. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if there was a poll. Okay, in St. Louis, how many of you are rooting for the Chiefs? How many of you want the Eagles to win? And how many of you simply don't care? <laughs> And there are a lot of you raising your hands on that third one. Before we go any further, the disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed are those by me, Dave Simons, and are not those of UBS Financial Services, its subsidiaries or affiliates. UBS reserves the right to the extent permitted under applicable law to retain and monitor all communications taking place through this program. All content, information, and opinions herein should be regarded as being general in nature and provided for current interest and information purposes only. It should not be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy nor recommend any security. Some content may come from third parties who are unaffiliated with UBS, and UBS has no control or responsibility over these third parties or their opinions, information, or materials. All right. Before we left, a little bit of a tease about this important economic piece of data coming out on Tuesday. What has concerned Wall Street and investors more than any other item, economic issue, over the past year? Think about it. Think about it. Okay, time's up. Inflation. And the Fed's desire to slowly bring it back down to an acceptable level for them. It's 2%. I think that's too low. I think the, I think that's a little too aggressive. I think they could bring it down 25 to 3% and we'd still be okay, but that's not my call. Jay Powell didn't ask me. So they would love to get it back to pre-pandemic levels of around 2%. Well, the January CPI number comes out Tuesday. And if you go back and look at the previous days of when the CPI was announced, the markets have gyrated wildly, not just that day, but in the ensuing days. 
as the market tries to adjust for the most recent data. And embedded in that is the market trying to figure out how the Fed reads the CPI number and what the Fed may or may not do because of that number. So here we go again. We've got, could this be a collision course? It could be if this CPI number comes in too hot. Because as I mentioned before, up until this past week, the market got off to an unbelievably strong start. Great turnaround from 2022, the, the biggest down year we've had since 08, the worst bond market ever, real estate starting to soften, which by the way, I'm gonna get to, um, I don't know about this hour, but certainly in the second hour. And so, and, and, and greed coming back in that I had just talked about, meme stocks all jumping up again, which I do not like to see. And now we've got a CPI number coming out. Keep this number in mind, 6.2%. 6.2% inflation. That is the consensus number of all the economists taken together and the average consensus prediction for the January CPI inflation number that comes out Tuesday is 6.2%. That is a continuation of a decline because the December number that came out in January was 6.5. Uh, a little bit of a drop, maybe not as aggressive as the Fed and the rest of us would like, but it still is a, a step in the right direction. I went back and looked at the peak of inflation, which was last June. June of 22. That's when the official CPI inflation number hit 9.1%. Now in July, then it fell 8.5. Now listen to these numbers here. You'll, you'll notice something. 9.1, 8.5, August is 8.3, September is 8.2. So inflation throughout last summer, stayed stubbornly high. It was coming down, but not nearly as quickly as we would all would have liked. And that's why that bear market, even though it got some reprieve now and then, it, it we never really got comfortable that it was over because those inflation numbers, even though they were coming down, not fast enough. 9185-8382. But then starting in October, the last three, we've really seen a bigger drop. From 8.2 in September, it fell to 7.7 in October, all the way to 7.1 in November, and then 6.5 in December. So basically, you're going from 8.2 to 6.5 in three months. That's the kind of decline that the Fed certainly wants to see. And for those of us who are invested, we'd all like to see. Because the Fed then would interpret a, a rapid decline in inflation as maybe their dirty work is over. And maybe they will raise one more time in March, just a quarter of 1%, 25 basis points, and then maybe they'll stop. But this, see, this is why the CPI number on Tuesday is so important because what if the opposite happens? What if it's not 6.2? What if it's 6.4? Even 6.3, the market wouldn't like. 
because we got that hot job number, that unemployment number that came out. Remember that one? The expectation was for like 187,000 and it came in at 515,000 a week ago Friday. Just a ridiculously hot number and the market did not like it. That helped lead to the sell-off last week. You cannot have hot economic inflation numbers while the market's trying to move up. The two cannot go hand in hand right now. For this market to continue to move higher, you have to have a softening of economic data. You have to. So the last thing this market needed was that really strong jobs number that came out Friday. Good for the economy and good for all of us. But, the, but guess what? Wall Street doesn't care about us as workers. Wall Street cares about an unemployment number that might go a little higher. It's draconian, I know, but that's the way it works. Wall Street cares about inflation going down and what Wall Street really wants, which is honestly by default, all of us as investors, we would like to see not only inflation come down, but this so-called soft landing where we don't fall into a recession, but just see it slow enough where the Fed can pause. This all comes to a head on Tuesday. I don't mean to overstate it, but it's that important. It really is. Um, we're running up into an interesting indicator too. Not an indicator, but something that happened last fall. I don't know if you remember this, but um, something happened in mid-August where it looked like the market was turning. Okay, the first half of the year through June, the market had fallen like 19 some percent. We almost hit 20%, like 19 and a half percent. And then July was really strong. And mid-August was really strong. We made up half the loss, the six months of losses we made up in a month and a half. And then that was it. The sell-off renewed and stocks spiraled to fresh new lows just two months later. Folks, guess where we uh, were as of February 2nd? We did the exact same thing. The loss, the, the, the bottom of the market, that it had occurred last fall, we've retraced half of it to the upside and it failed last week. I, I, I'm not making a prediction that it's going to follow exactly what we saw from August through the fall, but it's on my radar. And again, we get to this CPI inflation number on Tuesday. If the market doesn't like it, we could fall into the same decline situation that we saw. So Man, there is going to be a lot to write in my weekly commentary on Friday. I don't know when I'm going to have a dollars and cents show again. It's not next week, and I don't know the next time. But I do write a weekly commentary that goes out to about a 1,000 of you as KMOX subscribers. Um, and so I'll be trying to put all of this in perspective based on this Tuesday report, what it means for all of us as investors. But for now, near term, like as in this very second, at 346 in St. Louis, I've got to take another commercial break. Stay with us. I've got plenty more coming right up. Now, back to Dave Simons at Dollars and Cents on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Boy, this reminds me of my run this morning. Uh, did a long run and I put on a loop of U2 songs for about an hour and a half. Here we go again. I might actually start uh, losing my breath here just in memory of this morning. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Dollars and Cents Show. Dave Simons along with you. 
you know, let's completely change up the pace here. We've been, uh, we started out having a little fun with the Super Bowl, then turned more serious about current market conditions. And then um, this very important CPI release coming out Tuesday. I want to interrupt for something that's um, a little off the beaten path, a little fun to, to talk about, because at the beginning of the next hour, <laughs> I hate to do this, but I've never been shy about presenting all sides. So one of the more bearish opinions on the market is coming from a really well-respected and well-known economist out there. And I just feel like I've got to share it because I read his research almost every day. And he's really, really bearish. I'll give you some of my own opinions along the way. I don't share his bearishness. But I can't discount it because he does have a lot of experience and a pretty good track record. So um, please stay with us. I don't mean to scare anybody off. I think we all need to hear all opinions on both sides. We need to hear what the bullish folks have to say. And a lot of times it makes complete sense. And you say, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. But we can look over on the bearer side and look at their research and come up with the same conclusion and say, man, why wouldn't it come out that way? And then we can base our own decision-making within our own portfolios um, after we kind of come up with our, we look at our own plan of risk tolerance and then how we want to maneuver through that. But I'll dig into that in the second hour. Until then, what did I want to be when I grew up? We all get asked that when we're in elementary school. Hey, little Johnny, what do you want to be? I want to be a firefighter. Well, guess what I wanted to be? An over-the-road truck driver. I kid you not. True story. And it was all because we had one of those, um, what was it? It's the day where maybe somebody's parent comes in and it's, you know, listen to, it's like a career day, I guess. And it was an over the road truck driver guy. And I was fascinated by his description of the open road and, you know, seeing all these cities. And I just, my, my brain, I think it was, it was sixth grade. I'm pretty sure. And my brain just focusing on seeing the country and being free. And I've always been a loner anyway, even here at the ripe old age of 60. That's just my personality. I'm not the most social guy in the world, I admit. And so even when I was in sixth grade, that was very, very appealing to me, just being out on my own, out on the open road. Now, I don't know when that feeling went away. I, was it the, a week later or five years? I, I don't know, but it did leave me. I tell you that because there's a, um, a survey or a poll, if you will, of uh, young kids today. And what, what do you want to be, little Johnny, little Susie, when you grow up? And I was really fascinated by the results. There were top 20, which I won't go through all of them. Thank you very much. But man, oh man, you pick out how culture has changed. That's no surprise, but how much of it is being influenced by social media and not in a good way. So the first choice actually was a surprise for me. And I have a feeling it's always been in the top 10. Even when I was a kid, we, so many kids aspired to be able to fly, you know, Boeing, TWAs and Ooh, this new thing called a 747. And as kids, we got to even go up in the cockpit and see all the buttons and the panels. And we were just 
enthralled by it. So a lot of kids wanted to grow up and be a pilot. Well, even today in 2023, that came out as number one. I like that. And we know there's a shortage in the industry, so that's good. Number two, interestingly enough, is a writer. A writer. I've never seen that come up that high. And, and, and again, I think that's the new culture because of the internet and people now can just self-publish. Number three, where this came out of, a dancer. Dancer. I didn't, I'm sure some people can make money, but maybe it's not, no one cares about money. I just want to grow up and be a dancer. Now get this, number four, a YouTuber. <laughs> number five is just a generic entrepreneur. Number six, actor. Then here we go again. Number seven, influencer. Oh my goodness. It's kind of like a YouTuber in a way, isn't it? An influencer, YouTuber. Uh, let me go ahead here. Uh, number 12, a blogger. That's what I want to do. I want to be a blogger. But then you have some uh, traditional things in there. I love the fact that teacher is number 10. And then um, I know they go together, but I guess they've separated it. Number 14 is professor. So obviously that would be more secondary education. But folks, if you are teachers out there, uh, like my dad was a college professor, um, hats off to you. I don't think the average person understands the real work that you do put into that profession. Too many people think, oh, you get three months off. Uh, you go in at 7.30 and you go home by four. Nah, that's not what I saw growing up. So, um, and I would say that you all have the biggest influence on our kids than any. Um, and that's been a big debate here lately, which of course we won't get into those kinds of social issues. But there you go. Something a little fun. Don't go anywhere, folks. Second hour will return shortly and we will get into some bearish sentiment, but there's something to learn with. So stay with us. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid 
plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.